You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Hello, and I hope everyone is having a good day. This is Win Win, an entrepreneurial community that you are listening to. I'm your host, Ben Wolf. We're going to learn from our guest today how to go about the daunting task of hiring the right people at the executive level, particularly the COO at your company, uh, how to formulate your hiring process, including what happens when you skip that step, and also how to test for the, one of the most underappreciated aspects of executive recruiting, which is looking for cultural fit. And as always, uh, the goal of this show is to share information and tools that people out there, that you guys out there in the entrepreneurial community can immediately use and uh, put to use in your businesses, in your lives. Uh, that mission defines who we are, uh, and who we bring on as guests on the show, defines the conversation, what we talk about. So remember to subscribe, uh, leave a review on whatever medium and method you're listening to this podcast on, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever. Uh, I see a lot of people out there are listening, but not necessarily leaving, leaving reviews. So it would be a huge help to making this content and this value that we're sharing uh, out there more available to other people because the algorithms increase the prominence of the show. Uh, the more reviews there are. So please go ahead and do that. And um, with that, I will get into the introduction for today's guest. Uh, so our guest today is the owner and CEO of Keystone Search, uh, an executive recruiting firm. Uh, he founded Keystone in 2002. He was an executive recruiter for 30 years total, uh, approximately, helping small and mid-sized businesses fill their senior most positions. Uh, he's been running Keystone on the EOS, Entrepreneurial uh, Operating System, Management Operating System, comprehensive and simple tools uh, that business owners of entrepreneurial businesses use to, uh, to achieve their goals and get what they want from their businesses. So he's been running on EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, for 10 years, since 2009, so one of the earlier adopters. And uh, the majority of the searches that he works on with his company at Keystone are for COO, uh, or in the language of EOS, integrator positions. Uh, you can find out more about uh, about him and his services and, and his firm services at KeystoneSearch.com. That's KeystoneSearch.com. And without further ado, I give you Mike Vermelt. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Thanks very much, Ben. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. And uh, definitely looking forward to the conversation today. I know there's a lot, you know, finding the right people is one of the biggest pain points and difficult pieces for uh, for people out there. So I know this is going to be a lot of value that we're going to learn today. And uh, so with that, uh, let's just jump right in. So one of the things I want to get to in background was uh, was that one of the things you talk about online is that uh, is that one of the main things you saw was lacking in recruiting firms in general, maybe some of the places you were involved with in the past, and what inspired you to start Keystone back in 2002 was a lack of emphasis on cultural, excuse me, on cultural fit. So, can you explain what cultural fit is? What does that mean, and why it's so important? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so really, I look at cultural fit as as really being a, a function of of your core values as an as an organization and your core values. Um, as an owner for a smaller uh, privately held business, uh, your your core values really determine you know your behaviors and and your ultimately your results in the organization. And so, 
the having people who share your core values, who inherently share your core values, are are really going to be in that uh, are going to fit your culture, and because your culture really comes from those values, and so. Uh, when we talk about culture, we talk about cu- culture and core values kind of being sy- synonymous. Uh-huh. And when we apply that to to hiring, right. we're looking at the core values of the of the leadership team, the core values of the owner of the business or the CEO of the business, and really uh, making sure that that those candidates are you know, have a have a similar set of core values that are the shared core values there. Okay, and I mean, I guess the 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 counterpoint to that question is what what happens. If we hire or look for someone who's really productive or really great or has good experience, and they are they are a great person, they could do the job well. But what happens when people pay too little attention to cultural fit or core values? Like, what's the result when people don't pay sufficient attention to that? Yeah, it's a great question. And and the you know what what happens? There's a lot of a uh, very talented people out there, right? There's a lot of people that can have the right skill sets and the right competencies to do the sort of technical components. Of, right. of the role. But when they don't fit the core values, it's really it really comes down to the how. How do they how do they do that role? How do they work with your customers? How do they lead people on their teams? Mm-hmm. How do they interact with employees and uh, teammates and, and uh, colleagues and so forth? And so it really comes down to the, the, those how how it gets done. Right. OK. There's, there's multiple ways to get to results and um, and how you get there matters. Well, what's the, and, but why does it matter? I Meaning, like, what's, or maybe tell me a, a horror story. I don't know. Like, what, what's a, what's a, uh, like, what happens if, uh, if you don't pay attention to the how? Like, what are the negative effects of that? Yeah. If so, you have an example, so, I, you know, I think that would yeah, also be, yeah, it would yeah, make it more concrete sure. also. Yeah, sure, sure. Lots of examples. So, so, um, if you take a, for example, a, a um, let's, let's take a, a chief financial officer position, for example. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of technical components to that role, right? They have to have certain understanding of finance. They have to be able to strategically look at the finance piece of the operation. Uh, they have to work across the organization and be supportive of the other people in the organization, the other mm-hmm. teams and, and functions. Um, certain time, at certain times, if, if that, that CFO looks at themselves, if their style is to be uh, very protective if their style is not to have strong customer service or not to realize that they are in service to the other pieces of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be phenomenal at the technical pieces, the financial pieces. They can come up with wonderful reports and data. But at the end of the day, if the other people in the organization don't like working with them or can't feel that they can get support from that that particular function of the organization, um, you know, it's not they're not going to be able to move the company forward. So, so that's kind of a generic example, but there's mm-hmm. there's um, you know lots of examples out there of, of where you bring in someone that has a wonderful background, maybe went to the right schools, has uh, you know done the, has created even great results in other in other companies, and then comes into your company and just doesn't seem to be able to to get things done because of the way that they operate. All right, so people might not be going and talking to them, so things aren't getting done or addressed because people don't feel comfortable speaking with them, or they can't get traction on ideas or uh, or, or or priorities that they know are important because they don't they, they just don't know how in that organization to 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 move that forward. It ends up and you know the whole hire ends up being a very painful and expensive fail, um, you know, d- despite the person being technically good at the job. 
uh, because that wasn't uh, because that wasn't paid attention to, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you evaluate? So how how do you you know I guess how how do you as a as an outside uh, as an outside consultant or recruiting firm you know and by extension you know we can infer from that how would people do it if they are doing it on their own how do you how do you evaluate and see what that person's cultural fit is I mean it's just the interview process like how do you how do you evaluate that Yeah, well the first thing that 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 has to be there is that you have to have a strong understanding of what your core values are as an organization. So well, there are, I guess that makes when, sense. And, and there are times when we, we come in to work with a, a new client and, and they, they don't have a solid understanding. They kind of know what it feels like, but they've never put it in writing or they've never gone right. through a process to really truly understand their core values. One of the, one of the great things about companies that are working on EOS is that they will go through a process to identify their, their core values. And, and so, when we have that information, then we can kind of do some some checking around the organization to make sure are these accurate. Um, uh, do these really reflect? Right. How well, we that was part, that was kind of my next question. Right, is differentiating between people. You know, obviously, if they're working on EOS, you know, they went through. Uh, especially if they're working with an EOS implementer, a professional, then you know that they went through a process that was thorough to make sure they know what their core values really are. Um, but if they are not running on EOS or if they didn't use a, a you know, an, an EOS implementer from the outside, you know, then sometimes people do have core values. Very often they have, but they're these kind of generic, uh, nice back of the cereal box sounding, uh, ideas that have nothing to do with the real culture of the organization. <laughs> so, uh, so how do you, so how do you determine yeah. or how do you d advise people to determine whether what they say are their core values are, are, are really are really what those are, you know, which is critical, obviously, when making big hiring decisions like we're talking about. Right, right. For us, we actually have a tool that we use. We come into and when we first come into an organization, we actually give the senior leadership team and oftentimes the next level down of management, the, uh, the tool that we use uh, called our, our culture blueprint. Uh -huh. And what that does is it really walks them through an individual core values assessment. Um, so we're not asking them about the core values of the company. We're asking them about their core values as a person. Uh -huh. And then what we're doing is looking across those, the results of those, and, and looking at the alignment or potential misalignment of those core values and then um, having a discussion with the organization on, uh, on that misalignment, if there are misalignments, um, and, and asking questions about how those get played out on a day-to-day -day basis. Because again, it comes back to how, how are we working with each other? How are uh -huh. we working with our clients? Even as small as things as how, how, how do we pay our bills and how do we, how do we work with our vendors and our, our suppliers as well? And right. so, um, that's how we do it for an organization, that, you know, that isn't working with, with us or with a search firm. Um, it's, there's a number of ways that you can go about that, but it's about getting the right, you know, the senior leadership team in a room and talking about how do we really behave on a day-to-day -day basis and why do we behave that way? And then kind of under uncovering those core values because the core values are already there. They're not, they're not something you make up and put together and put on a sheet of paper. They, right. They're already there. It's a matter of discovering them and right. figuring out what it is that's really driving your behaviors. Right. Articulating. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so that's great. And now I know, you know I mentioned in the introduction part that most of the positions that you're hiring for for your clients are in the COO, Chief Operating Officer, or Integrator in uh, EOS language uh, type of positions. That's the majority. Even you know, even if it's not an EOS company, it's a COO. So, 
Um, now, obviously, bringing on a COO is, 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 is critical. I mean, it's one of the main things that allows that visionary or that founder uh, who would love to spend more time on business development or sales or innovation or whatever their passion is, uh, that, that is the place where they can make the most, uh, they can make the most profound impact on moving the business forward and, and growing it by leaps and bounds. Uh, you know, when they're not stuck in the day-to-day minutia of day-to-day operations. So that's why uh, one of the most critical things is finding that right COO or finding that right integrator for the company so it can, uh, so, you know, so the visionary can kind of let go of that stuff mostly and focus on on taking everything really to the next level. And um, so when filling that highly important position that allows that CEO or that visionary to let go, what uh, what would you say is the biggest mistake people make uh, in COO hiring decisions or integrator hiring decisions? What's the what's the biggest mi- the biggest mistake that people are making? Sure. Well, there are there, you know, in any time you're hiring anyone, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in the hiring process. But I would say mm-hmm. that the, the biggest thing that I see is that um, just hiring someone into that role that that just doesn't have the horsepower to really handle the role. Um, I think that it sometimes can be viewed as a position where it's, you know, a pure execution role. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I put it into the EOS language, uh, oftentimes the visionary sort of looks at it, I'm, I'm the ideas person and this is the, this is the execution person. Mm -hmm. And so they'll put it into a box of sort of pure execution and and really that role. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and really that role is, um, is a very strategic, um, it's a cross-functional role, and really it, it should be looked at as, as a partner to the visionary. It may not be the, a partner in terms of ownership, but it's really a, um, someone who is very close, if not uh, clo- exactly or equal in terms of you know, their business experience and their, mm-hmm. and their overall purview on, in their career. Um, I believe that the, that COO role, the integrator role, is the, is the rarest set of skills in the business world because hmm. they need to be able to to do a few different things they need to to be able to be strategic and really work closely with that visionary or ceo and really understand um, the strategic components and the vision and where are we going okay. um, put, and be able to put together models on making that happen um, they also need to be able to tell that that ceo or visionary no um, on the ideas that don't make sense mm-hmm. um, and then they need to turn around and be able to lead people manage uh, manage projects make sure the execution piece does get done and so it's a very very rare set of skills and it takes someone who's got a strong track record of experiences along with uh, uh, with the right mindset as well as uh, leadership capabilities and and so it's it is a rare individual out there that has all of that well you know what maybe since you're talking about that I'll get to another question which I was I was thinking of asking later but um, so this is such a rare set of qualities, even more rare than, you know, than, than the founders uh, and owners that are hiring these people. Um, I think in EOS, they say that there's about, uh, there's about one ideal integrator or COO for every four visionaries or, you know, founders. Um, And so certainly backing up what you're saying. And uh, so how, you know, if, if I'm a visionary, if I'm a founder, I'm looking for somebody like that, how do I go about find? I mean, if so, if these things are like really a needle in the haystack to have someone with the with the horsepower with the broad enough shoulders, um, 
and you know, the experience. And then, I mean, on top of that, you have to you have to be a good match for cultural fit and a good match to the visionary himself or herself. But um, what? How, how do you find these needles in a haystack? Like, how, what, what do you advise people for, for for finding and tracking down these people? Are they applying for jobs? Are you know are you know how how do you how do you how do you find them if they're especially if they're not actively applying and you have to seek them out? How does one find these people? Right. Well, you know, uh, especially today in today's job market, it's very difficult to to you know find individuals. There's not a lot of great people fl just floating around out there, right? Mm -hmm. So though, there are certain pe people who are al always in the market going to be in transition, and certain people who are are looking for new opportunities. But really to find the very best fit, uh, you do need to go out and, and identify people that are successful and are working in other organizations um, and, and find that thing that's, that, that would make them interested in your organization. Mm -hmm. And so that can be done, you know, obviously through partners, search firm partners and so forth, but it can also be done on your own if you have the ability to go out and identify and source candidates. Uh, but but realistically I have to understand that more than likely you're going to have to pull that person from another position another company mm -hmm. uh, come in and and to, to take on your role so so what that means is in a number of things you have to understand what are the sort of skill sets that you're you're looking for what is that you know I mentioned before having a track record and, and a set of skill sets a set of skills excuse me and competencies um, to be able to identify that in someone's background um, have the ability to, to reach out and recruit and, and, and then have a good interviewing process um, that's set up well so that when, when candidates like this come into your organization, they feel like you're organized, they feel like it's going to be done in a timely manner, and they can see that this is a company that maybe they would want to come join. Um, so it, it, it takes some organization and it takes some, some skill to do it, but it can be done. So that's very interesting. I mean, I'm hearing, first of all, a couple of takeaway points from from what from the things you just said. I mean, one is that uh, one is that because people are because these right people are generally not proactively searching for a job, uh, just posting on job boards or posting the job in different places is is usually not going to be finding the person you're looking for. Uh, so if you do, you know, somebody does want to do it on their own, they really have to understand that they, you know, that they or someone in their organization needs to really be willing and able to to you know to have the bandwidth and put in the time of uh, you know maybe setting up a recruiter or some kind of premium LinkedIn account or sales navigator account uh, that's going to allow them to uh, you know to to have much more detailed search uh, in you know in LinkedIn the time to review applications to reach out to people to engage in you know to engage in dialogue and conversations up to that point. Um, and that's something that requires bandwidth and attention. Um, so that's that's one takeaway point is that, you know, if you want to be successful, I mean, you're going to have to, you know, I guess, like you said, either either be able to put in that time and that attention or, you know, or, or have someone on the outside that could do that piece of it for you. I mean, another thing I'm hearing um, but that you're talking about is that you have a defined process that's thought out in advance, not just you just start searching, but, you know, you have an, you have a, a process. Uh, like what are the pieces of that process? What does that what does that look like if, if a company wants to set up a hiring process that is going to appear, like you said, to be professional and that's going to lend you know lend itself or show that uh, that this is a place where you want to work and they have their act together? 
what uh, what is that? Pro- what what are the elements of that process? What kind of aspects should people be thinking about for putting together a hiring process that will be successful? Sure, sure. So the so first step of the process is really that sourcing piece, which we've been kind of talking about here in terms of how do you bring the right people into the funnel. Mm-hmm. So and recruiting for any kind of role, and particularly at the at the senior level, you are um, it's it's very similar to a sales process in that you have to put certain number of people into the top of the funnel to get what you want out of the bottom of the funnel. Mm-hmm. And so you have to dedicate some time and have to realize that you're, you're going to have to spend some time going out there and identifying who are the candidates, that, you know, the potential candidates that we're going to put into the top of the funnel. And so dedicating a period of time, at least a, a month to do that, um, is, is incredibly important to make sure you're bringing the right people to the party. Um, now, when you when you say you, that, you mean like before reaching out to anybody, like spending a month just collecting and collecting and collecting and collecting candidates, and then reach out to everybody. You know, once you feel like you've got enough people, is that is that what you mean, or something different? Well, you can start reaching out to people as potential candidates, but that you have to realize that it, you know, as you said before, it's it's not likely to happen if you just post it on on a job board or something that you're going to have the right a whole group of the right people showing up and right. putting to the top of the funnel. So you have to dedicate some time to how are we going to go out there and identify those people that are gainfully employed and working somewhere else? How are we going to bring them into the funnel? And that will, that will take you, uh, you know, a month and maybe six, seven weeks to do that, to, to really bring enough people into the funnel that have the right skill sets, competencies, the things that you can see on the resume, um, you know, to put through your process, your interview process. Is there any point in doing ads or posting the job? Is there any point in that? I think that it's a it's something that you can do as part of your process, but I think it's definitely something that you should not rely on to bring you right. the best candidates. Um, if you if you really think about it, the people that it's just, it's sort of a numbers game. The people that are are going to be looking there are the the people that are actively looking, which means that they're in transition or for some reason uh, have to be actively looking for a new position. So it's a very small piece of the overall pool of potential candidates. Right. And so it, it can be a piece of what you do, but it but it certainly should not be the only thing you do. And unfortunately, that is the only thing that a lot of companies do when right. they go out to hire. And then and then you have sort of a well, because not, it's the least time consuming and people don't have the bandwidth. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's exactly. why. And, and, <laughs> And so it's, and so you end up with a, what you can end up with is a, is a, a uh, inadequate pool of candidates. Right. And, I mean, um, both in quality and quantity. I mean, it sounds like, you know, people without yeah. that, without the breadth of experience that you referred to earlier, um, you know, and uh, in terms of quality and, you know, I mean, maybe quantity also. Right. Right. And then what it will what will end up happening, unfortunately, is you could do everything right from that from that point on. So you could interview very well. You could mm-hmm. choose the very you could choose the very best person that was in the pool. Right. But if the pool wasn't very good to begin with, you're probably not going to end up with a very good hire overall. So, Whew. so it's really critical to, to do that to do that piece right to bring the right people to the to the party before you even start to do the evaluation piece or the interviewing piece. Right. So if somebody's thinking of this to really have a lot of attention to you know, to whether it's the visionary or somebody else in the organization that really can devote the bandwidth to building up uh, a good enough funnel, primarily through uh, through through targeted reaching out to you know to to individuals uh, who you know who who might be candidates. 
uh, it sounds like. Right, and um, there are other, yes, and there are other ways to do that as well as, you know, there's certainly the direct recruiting way is to, to reach out to individuals and, and um, basically pitch the position to them or pitch the company to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you can also, uh, another great way is to set up, uh, you know, referral programs inside your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you're tapping into your referral networks for, for, for people that uh, may be potentially interested because um, good candidates will come that way, right? They're going to come referred from good people that you know. Good right. candidates will generally come from good people right. uh, that you know in, in some other space. So, Right, um, so using your own network, uh, referrals from other people, um, any, any, anything else? Uh, those are really the primary methods. Um, okay. The, you know, they say the posting is probably something that should be done, but but um, shouldn't be relied on. The networking, um, referrals from employees, referrals from other people that you know in business, um, service providers, accountants, attorneys, those kind of people that you can reach out to and say, hey, who who might right. you know that be a bit interested in this, mm-hmm. um, and then direct and then direct recruiting, or really, you know, reaching out to people um, that you don't know and and talking to them about the about the role. Right. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, it sounds it's it's daunting, but it sounds but uh, but it's 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 critical. Obviously, information. Um, one of the things you mentioned a minute ago was about the funnel and having enough people at the top level so that you could have enough people when you get to the when you get to the narrow end of the funnel. Right. And you you talk in uh, some of the materials that uh, you know that you that you shared with me about a three stage process for winnowing down. A list of potential integrators or COOs. Um, you know, one was finding a qualified integrator. Two was finding your integrator match, and three was no derailers. So, could you, you know, explain uh, explain what 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 are those three stages of the process? What do sure, those mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I will I'll tie it back into to the earlier question as well about the you know, setting up a good process uh-huh. um, after that sourcing. You know, piece when you feel like you have the right people in the top of the funnel, um, then you need to to evaluate them appropriately. So figuring out the the very best and the ones that really truly are going to fit. Right. And so we've taken and and for particularly for integrator roles have kind of broken that down because the um, I, I was fortunate to be to be a small contributor to to the book Rocket Fuel and the. If you've read Rocket Fuel, they, yeah. they describe uh, the characteristics of of an integrator and it's. Uh, uh, two pages long. And so there's a lot there. Um, and as I said, it's a very rare set of skills. So, mm-hmm. so what we've done is we've taken, we've kind of broken those down into some, to some major buckets. Um, and, and the way that we look at that is, uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, the top of that is the top of that funnel is first of all, can they do the job? Do they have the right components to be an integrator? Can they, uh, work closely with the visionary? Are they strategic enough? Do they have an ability to lead and think cross-functionally in the organization. Um, and then can they manage people? Can they manage projects? Can they execute? Are they personally accountable? And some of those things that just make them a good candidate overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they, so do they have the stuff to be an integrator? Um, the next piece of that then is really looking more deeply at, are they my integrator or my COO? Mm-hmm. Um, do they fit um, our business model? Um, are they coming from another business model that's similar enough um, to, to really understand kind of how we do business? Um, and then 
uh, more importantly, even do they fit our core values um, as an organization? And, and then do they fit me as the CEO and the visionary? Because that relationship is so critical. Right. Uh, and in, you know, the core values piece um, and the visionary, visionary fit piece, that's about building interview questions um, around your core values. So uh, when you have your core values identified, asking specific behavioral-based interview questions around how have they behaved in similar situations mm. to the, the kinds of situations that you, uh, you're facing in your organization. Right. And then really taking those that list of core values and building specific questions around them. Um, just to give you an example, one you know, core yeah. value, Core, core value could be uh, we have a sense of urgency in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so interview questions around sense of urgency. Tell me how you have handled particular s- situations with a customer when a customer has been upset. How mm-hmm. have you handled that situation? And really looking, do they have that sense of urgency or, or is that something that really isn't in their DNA? Mm-hmm. And so, so building those, those interview questions, particularly around those core values. And then the last piece that you mentioned is the, the derailers. And we just like to take one last look to make absolutely sure that uh, there isn't any major red flags that are going to, to derail this person in their, in their role as COO or integrator. And some of the big ones there are, you know, their, their leadership style. This person has to be able to lead people well. And so if they have a overly aggressive, overly egotistical leadership style, um, that's not going to work for, for a COO role. Um, if they are, how do you find um, that out? Um, we build questions around, around ego. So tell us about a mistake that you've made in your career. How did you handle that? Tell us about a mistake that someone's made on your team. How did you handle that? Mm. Um, oftentimes executives in particular, when you ask that question, can't think of a mistake that they've made, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy, which will tell you pretty quickly that there, there's, there's an ego problem there. Um, Right. You know, the best leaders of best team leaders are, I believe, are people that are self-reflective and can say, I've made mistakes and I've learned from those mistakes and here are those mistakes and, and uh, you know, move on from them and do better in the future. And um, and that that feels more human to the people that report to them anyway. And so they're generally going to build a stronger trust relationship with those people. Right. Well, right. I mean, I assume there's even more mechanical things like uh, non-competes and and other things that uh, that could potentially get in the way. But um, very interesting. Um, so, so with that, that we, what? One, one other thing I just wanted to mention there, Ben, on the um, on the derailers is that it's really critical as well that a COO or an integrator um, understands that they are the number two in the organization, mm-hmm. and you know they really shouldn't have that desire or passion to be number one um mm-hmm. you know fortunately or unfortunately however you look at it that the, you know that role um in an organization is uh, sort of like the offensive lineman on a football team they're not going to score any touchdowns but they have to be they have to be interested in the team winning and, right. and so it's really important that uh, this isn't someone with that wants to take over for the CEO or become the visionary in the future, that they, they understand where that role fits in the organization and how they win. Perfect, perfect, right. Focused, right. Focused on, focused on, the, on the success of the company, that's, that, that's where they feel their success. Um, 
so one other thing I did want to ask also was uh, was now let's you know let's go back to to uh, to to what you do you know to what Keystone does again KeystoneSearch.com so like what's your if somebody does want to hire let's obviously take you guys as an example if someone does want to hire an executive search firm especially someone like yourself that's experienced at looking specifically for COOs for integrators um, what is uh, what is your process what's your proven process as they uh, as they say in the EOS marketing plan and the in the vision traction questions um, what's your process how long does it take what are the steps if someone is doing an executive search firm like you guys Keystone sure sure so um, I'll, I'll start with the, the time question. Our, uh, the process for us is about a hundred day process overall from start to finish. Okay. And you know, the way that that process works is the first thing that we really need to do is get a, get a solid understanding, a deep dive on the organization. Um, we can't recruit to your, particularly to your culture uh, and to your business model if we don't understand it. And so, so we need to, we spend time on the front end to come in and really do a deep dive understanding understanding the business, understanding the visionary of the CEO and their core values, and then understanding the core values of the overall organization. Mm-hmm. And we also have, uh, we, we use a, I mentioned the tool that we use on, uh, for the, uh, culture blueprint, uh, I think earlier, uh, yeah. with the core values alignment and so forth. And so we want to make, we use that with every client as well to make sure we understand their, their core values and everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. in terms of what that core values profile is for this new role. Um, from there, then we go out and, and then we, we we're involved. And how in long sourcing. is it again? How long is that discovery part of the process? Um, that discovery part is fairly fairly quick. Um, we're we're usually uh, spending a couple of days with the client, maybe a day, day and a half. Um, you know, it, however long it takes us, depending on the size of the organization, to really meet the leadership team, spend you know an adequate amount of time with the CEO visionary, mm-hmm. um, and then we will have the team do that culture blueprint after we leave and send it back to us later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that piece is, is fairly quick to get going. Um, the next phase that we move into is the is the sourcing piece, and that's where we are. You know, we're going to conduct original research to figure out who are all the potential companies out there that could be holding your integrator or COO, and then we're going to figure out who's in those roles in those companies, and then we're going to start reaching out to them one by one. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in our process, we'll generally reach out to 150 or 200 of the people people that have the right kinds of background, something in their, mm-hmm. their profile tells us they may be your integrator. Mm-hmm. And, and then we start to, uh, we start to narrow them down based upon their interest. And then we start to screen them, um, you know, with a, with an interview process on our side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, we, any candidates that make it to our interview process would also go through a, what we call our candidate blueprint, which is a, um, virtually the same as the culture blueprint, which is a core values assessment as well. So we have that when we're interviewing them. Um, and then we, we narrow it down to a, to a short list of candidates, um, four to five that we would present back to the, to the client. And then they start an interview, their interview process from there. Mm-hmm. And, and then they go through in our process, we like them to go through at least a three stage process where they do a first round of interviews, narrow it to a couple of candidates that come back, um, spend more time with those two, narrow it to a finalist, and then bring that person back at least one more time. Um, and we're weaving in that core values piece all the way through. So uh, we're making sure that core values questions are being asked in those in the, that interview process on the, on the uh, company side as well, not just on our side of the screening. So um, that's how we, we go about it. 
Well, it's very enlightening, and I think that you know when, when it comes to set when it comes to setting up a process, realizing where you find the right the right people on the executive level, uh, where you you know where you don't find them, or at least where you're less likely to find them in terms of uh, in terms of job postings, uh, the bandwidth it takes to do this on your own, what's involved in 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 in, in retaining a uh, an executive recruiting firm like 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 yourselves. Um, you know, you know the the main things to look for in terms of uh, culture fit, how important that is. What happens if you don't look for that? Biggest mistake in terms of not hiring someone with broad enough or big enough experience uh, and broad enough shoulders. Um, you know, I think that's all a lot of pieces of critical information that people need to uh, the people need to know if they're thinking about doing this on their own or if they're thinking of retaining somebody, so they know what's involved. Um, so I think this is. This is tremendously uh, a lot of value that, uh, that that you're sharing with people, and I think it'll be really useful. So, and I really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for, for coming out and, and talking about all this stuff with us. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been great to be with you. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much. And, uh, and perfect. So it was a pleasure having you, and we will see uh, everybody on the other side. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.